Hi, my name is Eliane Goldstein, and you're listening to The Effect on Us. When I went downstairs to play with the kids with whom I'd played all my life, all of a sudden they calling me a dirty little Jew and to walk in the sidewalk where I belonged. I had the courage to say, I have to get out. I was just so infused with the will to live that I said, I don't mind leaving my parents. Do you experience any pain from what they would do? Every single second of my life, and I will for the rest of my life. The Effect on Us podcast. Here's Eliane Goldstein. The Effect on Us is a podcast for people of all ages to learn about controversial subjects and the ties it has to people nowadays. In this season, the focus of the series is the Holocaust. You'll be able to hear some of the best survival stories I've ever heard from people that went through the Second World War and learn more about the effect the Holocaust had on people from Generation 1 to Generation 3. Did you know that between 1945 and 1985, 5,000 Nazi war criminals were executed and 10,000 were in prison for their crimes? In this episode, I'm talking to Frank Weinfeld, who tells me how he survived the war by himself at age 14. What is your name? Frank Weinfeld. How old are you now? 92. Where were you born? In Budapest, Hungary. Can you please tell me what your childhood was like before the war? What I remember is, uh, like other children, uh, we enjoyed each other's company and uh, enjoyed school to a point. Uh, up until we were, I was old enough to realize what anti-Semitism was. Uh, and then my, I wouldn't say my life changed immediately, but... Uh, it became a little bitter. Did you ever experience anti-Semitism yourself? Never, of course. There's no, there was no Jew in Hungary or anywhere, I suppose, that didn't experience anti-Semitism. Was being Jewish important in your household? I wouldn't say that Judaism was important, but we enjoyed Jude- being Jewish, that's all, up to a point. What was it like for you growing up Jewish? Well, being made aware all your life that you're different from all everybody else was a little somewhat awkward. Being being stopped from doing certain things that your friends were able to because you were Jewish, that's, again, was a little awkward. But, so what were some things that you weren't allowed to do that your friends were? There were times when uh, supposedly there were uh, there was a theater program and we were going to go and see it. Sometimes the Jews weren't allowed to go to that particular theater and things like that. So you were living in Hungary when this happened. So how old are you when the Nazis actually invaded? Hungary was not invaded at first because Hungary was fighting uh, with Hitler on the side of Hitler. So and as long as they were, the Hungarians were doing what they thought were supposed to, they were left alone. But March the 19th, 1944, uh, the German army invaded Hungary because I guess they had enough of not uh, having them do what they wanted to do. But I remember 
being on the street at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, that particular day, watching the uh, German tanks coming into Budapest and occupying every every area. But that's where the, uh, the, the real war, no, that's where their occupation was brought to Hungary. How old are you at this time? I was 40, 14 years old. Were you scared? Like- no, because I was not old enough to understand really what was going on. So when did you fully understand what was happening? Uh, when when they took my parents away and I, w- I was left alone, I had to fend for myself all of a sudden, uh, overnight. At first, my father was taken away, and then my mom. And uh, When were they taken away? My father was taken away middle of June 1944, and he was taken to Auschwitz and never coming back. And my mom was taken away in uh, uh, early November, late October, early November, 44. Did you have any siblings? No, I was an only child. So what did you do after they were gone? Well, first I had to find a place where to sleep, where to live. So I remembered some some people that we knew prior, uh, non-Jewish people, and I went to see one of them, and they put me up for a few days but I couldn't stay there because their next door neighbor were Nazis. Yeah, so, so where did you sleep? Well, for a couple of days I stayed with them, but then we left. Yeah. After that, I I went to, actually, it was called the Swiss consulate, but it really wasn't. It, the, the owner of it owned a large building had a, a plate glass business there. And it, he put up many, many Jews. There were about, at the very end, there were about 3,000 people staying in his place, in this building. That's where I went, except that when I got there, I I, real, I saw and realized that they were uh, Hungarian Nazi army. Soldiers, uh, arrow cross, they were called. People front of the building with machine guns. I don't know, maybe half a dozen or a dozen of them. And threatening to go in to kill everybody uh, every day. So I stayed there for a couple of weeks and I decided that I have to somehow run away, get away from there. Because I didn't know when they were actually going to do what they said. And uh, one day, it was a a truck full of food that the Red Cross sent, and uh, it needed to be uh, unloaded and get carried into the building. And they needed people, of course, and I went to help. But when I got out, I never got back to the building because as I said, I noticed that there were no guards, and I just walked away from there. And I went to an office that was called the Refugee Relief Office, 
why refugee? Because this was late, maybe uh, end of October or early November. I don't remember exactly. Uh, the Russian army was already uh, in northern Hungary, and people were running away from it, from there, being afraid of the uh, Red Army. And this office was looking after them. And I went there myself as well to ask for help, but not as a Jew, because you, you couldn't do that. I went as a refugee that ran away from the north, and I lost my parents somewhere on the way. And I, I was a young kid. I needed help. And they accepted it. Uh, I got fresh papers that were, that were true papers, true papers, actually. The only false thing, information on it was my last name. Instead of Weinfeld, I chose a truly Hungarian name. And they, they offered me a job in a laundry. And with all that, I was able to, to find a place to, to live, to stay. And I rented a bed because that's what poor people did. Here, there may be poor people may rent a, a room in a home or in an apartment. There, you rented a bed in a home. I was very fortunate. I did not know. I didn't find out till later on the day after I rented this place. Uh, we sat down with, with the lady that owned the, the apartment. Uh, she offered me some tea or coffee or something. And we were talking. She wanted to know where I come from. And I told her a story that just came to me. I found out that uh, her husband was a, a Nazi Arrow Cross soldier. And actually, I'm stepping a, a little ahead of myself because she didn't tell me that he was a an arrow cross, but a soldier. How I found out was overnight. I woke up the middle of the night and I didn't know what time it was or where I was, to be honest with you. And as I looked, put my hand up on the night table looking for my watch. Instead, I put my hand on cold steel article, whatever it was. And then I realized it was a gun, and beside it was a a, a, a grenade. I found his arm bend as well. That indicated that he was a Nazi soldier. In any case, I got scared. I can't really begin to tell you because I didn't know what was I what I was going to do. But as it happened, because it was dark, I had the time to get a hold of myself and think about it and realize that that was the best place to hide. Who is going to come and look for a Jew in an Aerocross Army soldier's home? And really, that's where I, I was liberated. I stayed there until liberation, which was about two, two and a half months later. I, I was living in that place when I... When the Red Army uh, walked into Budapest. After the liberation, did uh, the people that you were staying with ever find out that you were Jewish? 
No, no, no. I was living there as a, a refugee, a poor little young boy, a refugee who lost his parents, not knowing where they were. So this lady had a little motherly instinct. Uh, I wouldn't say that she was good to me or bad, but she she fended uh, for me. She would she would save maybe a, a little bit of her food or a piece of bread just to help this young boy. But no, the answer they would that would be the end of me if they found out that I was Jewish. What did you do after liberation? The liberation, I went back to school. Uh, by the way, uh, my mother, thank God, turned up. She came, lived through the the war. I came back home, and we moved back home, of course. Uh, and I went back to school uh, for a year and a half. Uh, I was in school, and then I left Hungary. Um, how did you leave? Like- how did I leave? Well, I left uh, to the, up to the border town of Hungary and, and Austria. Uh, it was easy, but from there on, I crossed uh, about four or five borders because we didn't, within four months, I ended up in Paris. I ended up in an orphanage. The Jewish uh, immigration office from me and uh, they put me into a Jewish orphanage. What happened to your mom? My mom stayed in Budapest, and uh, I brought her out in uh, December 1959. She came to uh, Winnipeg because the Russian government wouldn't allow her out. I couldn't bring her out before that. But she turned age 60, and at 60, they, they would have to pension her off. So rather than give her a pension, they finally allowed her out of the country. So I brought her to Winnipeg. What was life like for you in Canada um, after coming from a war? Fantastic. Life was very good. The Jewish community was good to us. And uh, it didn't take us long to meld into life and people in, in Canada. Do you ever think about anything that you could have done differently that would have had a different outcome? It could have been very easily that I could have been killed during the war. It wouldn't have taken much. It would have taken very little to be killed like, like the other six million. It was, somebody up there likes me, that's all. Still do, does, in fact, because I'm still here. When your parents were taken away, were you able to write them? No. When they took them away, that, that was, for my father, that was the end. So my what mom, was... I didn't know where they took her until she actually got away from them and came back. I didn't know where she was. So what was it like seeing your mom again? Uh, it was great uh, because I I... I don't want to say that, but I, in my mind's eye, I could have seen them gone. So I was a little scared for that. Before you said that you were in France in an orphanage, 
For children? Um, what was that like? In France? Yes. It was also very good. Uh, mind you, life in France at the time was fairly poor because there were an awful lot of uh, immigrants, non-French people that came to France to settle down or get away from the war. And it was a very tough life in France. And people, you, you, if you were a, an immigrant coming into France, you couldn't get a job. Unless the government gave you approval, you could not get a job at the time in France because that's how hard life was for the French. What made you want to start talking about your story? Well, for many, many years, I didn't talk about my story. At first, I couldn't. And then later, my wife and I had children. I didn't want to talk about my story. I wanted to save them from knowing my story. But as time has progressed, I really realized that we have to somehow get that story on to people so it doesn't happen again to educate people. In fact, we in Winnipeg had an organization that were consisting of, uh, and uh, we, we, we established a, an educational program and we had people going into schools to talk to children, to tell them our story for many years. Here, we don't go out anymore. They come to the Heritage Center and uh, we tell them our story. Yeah, it's very important that um, survivors tell their stories. It's very, it's, like, it's very good what you do. Yes, yes, it's very important. Is there anything that you want to add before we wrap up? Anything that you want to say? Well, the only thing I can tell you is what I want to say. That today I'm much more scared of my story than when I experienced it because I'm smart enough today to understand it. Uh, when I dream of it, I get so scared that in my dream I realized that it's a dream. But, but I also realized that I was a child that couldn't understand most of it. And I wasn't smart enough to get scared. Is there anything that you would like, like a message that you would like to give people? Well, the only thing I can say is to today's generation, particularly non-Jewish people, to find out about what people are, to, to, to be able to become friends or friendly or understanding about others. You have to learn. You have to know that they are have same nose and the same mind. The only difference is, is what they teach you and what you pick up. So the younger you start, the, the better it will be for you and for sure for your friends. So thank you so much for speaking with me. You're welcome. Join me next time when I talk to Sally Frischberg, who hid in an attic during the war. If you like this episode, please like and subscribe and tell your friends. This is Eliane Goldstein. Tune in next time to The Effect on Us. And remember, history will not repeat itself. Bye.